0: And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley.
2: Welcome to Dell Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and help begins today. We are going to go down a very dicey path. Uh, We're going to be discussing a concept out of the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I was asked to discuss this concept way back in December 26th of 2016, and I left it lay there. I was afraid to pick it up and carry this. So let me give you a little heads up. Um, The name of the concept is sexual transmutation. Now. The conversation we're going to have today has nothing to do with sex, so you don't have to worry about that. This conversation is not about that at all. It's about a concept that's in Think and Grow Rich, which says that a man creates his largest period of success and growth after he meets his wife and settles down. And the concept goes a little further than saying here, what happens is uh, when a man is younger, he's out there to sow his oats. He's out there looking around to find himself a spouse or to attach with another human being. And until he gets that attachment completed, he can't focus on something like making money. That becomes secondary to him. However, once he becomes attached, his female counterpart is going to create demands upon him, whether or not it's a demand or it is his desire to create um, such demand. In other words, he either she demands him buy a house for the family or he wants to supply a house for the family. I'm not sure if it really means either way any different. But the bottom line is, is that now this man has accumulated family, a wife, kids, and he now has changed his focus. He's not out there looking to sow his wild oats anymore. That amount of energy can now be transmuted from sexual energy of trying to acquire a spouse, transmuted to earning energy for trying to acquire wealth. And that's the concept that Napoleon Hill espoused. Now, when I first started thinking about it, I didn't know where to go with this. So it's really a, a, a difficult concept because I'm afraid it's so politically incorrect to think that, number one, men are the workers in the family. Come on. Think about this. Can you imagine the number of people, uh, not that listen to this particular show because I don't think that we have that larger group of people that would be offended by it, but can you imagine out there if this was being presented as an idea on a talk show? They would lose their minds. Can you see the like the five ladies, whatever the, the you know show they have in the morning? You know the morning show. Could you imagine them us saying that men are millionaires first of all, not women, and second of all, saying that men do better after they have a woman, and that they're you know just the whole concept is so uh, perverse from a politically correct point of view. And so as I looked at it, I thought, man, this is this is too dicey. Uh, where are the facts? to be had in this kind of conversations. What was really bothering me, I didn't really know. I couldn't figure it out. Uh, And then I started thinking, you know, my first thought when I thought about this is this is not a true statement anymore. This is an idealism. This really was my first thought was this is an idealism from the past, that nowadays that the gender identification has been so skewed in our society that men have been taught to be and act like women and women have been taught to be and act like men that any such statement Right any such statement just couldn't be true anymore because we have blurred the issue We have blurred the lines of male and female responsibilities in our society uh, I thought about how many women are in the workforce now uh, Whether they be single women or husbands and wives and I thought hmm How could that be true if now the wife is working? See, the man used to go out and earn the money, and the wife stayed at home. And so I thought, hmm, man, that just isn't going to work. There's no argument to this uh, concept anymore. It just doesn't seem likely. And then I I thought, okay, well, let's look at it from the other point of view. What if it still is true? What would make it true? And then I started thinking, hmm, here we go. Let's Let's get out there now and really get offensive. Let's talk about different types of people, different societies of people. You could call it religious societies. You could call it racial societies. You could call it politically inclined societies. Uh, And when you look at those societies, you would say, hmm, why is it that 75% of people that get married divorce nowadays? That doesn't sound like very much transmutation into success. That's almost a complete statement of failure before you even begin, because you're going to have everything you own divided in half and, uh, you know, just trounced on. You know, I've seen it happen a million times. People, after they go through divorce, are financially just destroyed. Um, Then I think about all the people, uh, the single mothers out there. There's another society group of people, single mothers out there trying to raise kids. How do you go out and become fabulously rich uh, while you're also trying to raise children. And so the broken family or the n- non-existent, ever-existent family seemed to me uh, to prove true that the married couple uh, has a stronger ability to earn. <clears throat> so, you know, I started wondering about this. And then I said, man, what, I wonder what the facts are. And I tried to look it up on in the Internet. I tried to look up what percentage of millionaires are actually fall into this category as married men, right? And what category falls into all this other genre of people that don't believe in marriage? They don't believe in male and female relationships. They believe in, you know, not just heterosexual but homosexual relationships There's all these different categories of people that live differently now, by the way I would guess from what I've been told what I've seen and noticed that most homosexual men who live together Are rich as can be because you got two bread winners there and uh, not a lot of need to go out and spend a lot of money so it, <laughs> What I've seen, the people I've met, uh, they tend to be very well off financially. But irrespective of that, this concept, is this sexual transmutation, is it true that men produce more once they're married with kids? Is it true that because of that, they buy houses more often, they maintain income, providing positions longer and stronger than everyone else? Well, again, I, I... scavenged the internet, looked up everything I find, and I finally found this interesting statement. It's called Portrait of a Millionaire. And it comes from the book, The Millionaire Next Door. And this guy did this research and found it says, Who are the real millionaires in our society? And his point was the real millionaires in our society are not the people you think. They're not the guys driving around the big cars because those guys are broke. They're not the guys with the big watch and the expensive suit because those guys are broke. It's the average mom and pop entrepreneur. In other words, this article has the statement that I was looking for and I'm going to share with you right now. It's called The Portrait of a Millionaire uh, out of the book, The Millionaire. Next story says, who is the prototypical American millionaire? What would he tell you about himself? And first, number one statement was, I am 57 years old. Married with three kids about 70% of us earn 80% of our family's household income There it is. That is the research that is the statement, right? average person that's a millionaire is at least 57 years old or older is married with three children in other words Napoleon Hill's concept of sex transmutation is 100% still real Yes, I mean, I didn't know where to go with this until I found this. This was very, very interesting. Uh, About 70% of us earn 80% or more of our household income. And later on down the line, it states in here that of our wives that work, most of them, most prevalently are teachers. Don't know how that fits in, but I actually happen to know a lot of people in our group that's highly successful. Now, what I started doing was I started looking at our group and looking through to the people that were our most successful investors. And you know what I found? our most successful investors were all married, with children, (laughs) they were stable human beings before they ever got here, and they had the ability. Now, one other caveat I want you to understand, and that is this, is that in our group, there are women investors that are very successful, but they are married, so whether or not they've taken on the mantle of an income earner for the family still doesn't break the model that they are, 57 years of age, producing a large percentage of the income many of the women that would normally be stay-at-home moms are now out there running the family's business as the operating partner of the family business of real estate we'll take a short break we'll be right back with the dell wamsley radio show
0: tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone
1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTmobile.com.
0: Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Dale Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to the Del Walmsley Radio Show. Today we're tackling a very sensitive topic because it's politically incorrect. Napoleon Hill in his book Think and Grow Rich 50, 60 years ago made the point that men work much harder towards success and become much better at becoming successful financially once they have a family, wife, family, and a home that they have to pay for. I apologize. I have a very dry throat. I'm trying to uh, take throat lodges between breaks, and it worked for the first segment. But it didn't seem to work for the second one, so I apologize. Moving on, though, uh, there's a book called uh, The Millionaire Next Door, and they define who most millionaires are. And I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs to you. I think it's really interesting. I'm a 57-year-old male married with three children. About 70% of us earn 80% of our family's income. About one in five of us is retired. About two-thirds of us are working, are self-employed, Interestingly enough, self-employed people make up less than 20% of the workers in America, but account for more than two-thirds of all millionaires. Also three out of four of us are self-employed, consider ourselves to be entrepreneurs. Most of the others are self-employed professionals such as doctors and accountants. So here you go, two-thirds of those people are entrepreneurs. Think about that. Wow. You know, everybody thinks that the way you get rich is that you become a doctor or a lawyer and then you open your own practice up. Effective. It works but it takes 40, 50, 60 years to get it done. And yet people here buy real estate in two or three years, they've already become a millionaire. So it's much more leveraged opportunity here with real estate. Uh, Many types of businesses we could classify as uh, dull normal. Welding contractors, auctioneers, farmers, owners of mobile home parks, pest controllers, coin stamp dealers. What they're basically saying is most millionaires don't have flashy jobs. And if you've ever taken my seminar, you've heard me say this a million times, I hate real estate. Dell Wamsley hates real estate. Why? Because it's boring as can be. Sheetrock, carpet, and paint. You try to create a business that is replicatable. And so everything is the same and everything you do is the same. And you think about life the same and you do the business the same for whatever period of time you're doing it. But that's what most businesses are successful at. They're successful at doing the right things over and over and over again. Uh, It goes on and says, about half of our wives do not work outside the home. Number one occupation for those wives who do is teacher. Our household's total annual realized taxable income is about $131,000, the median of us, while our average income is 247,000. Note that the average is going to be skewed up by the people at the top. Those of us who have incomes of 500,000 to a million, um, which is about 8% of us. And the one million and more legacy, about. 5% 5% of us skew that range upward. So in other words, the median is, you know, a millionaire only makes 131000 bucks a year. But there are guys up there making millions a year to skew the average up to $247,000 a year. We have an average household net worth of $3.7 million. Of course, some of our cohorts have accumulated much more than that. Nearly 6% have a net worth of over $10 million. Again, these people skew our average upward. The typical median or 50th percentile millionaire household has a net worth of 1.6 million. And that's the 50th percentile. On average, our total annual realized income is less than 7% of our wealth. In other words, we live on less than 7% of our wealth. Most of us, 97% are homeowners. We live in homes currently valued at an average of $320,000. About half of us have occupied the same house for more than 20 years. Thus, we have enjoyed significant increase in value. Most of us have never felt at a disadvantage because we did not receive any inheritance. About 80% of us are first-generation affluent. We live well below our means. We wear impressive suits and drive American-made cars. Only a minority of us drive the current model year. Only a minority ever lease our motor vehicles. Oh, I'm sorry. I misread it. Now it makes sense. My bad. It says we wear inexpensive suits and drive American-made cars. Only a minority of us uh, drive the current model year automobile. Most of our wives are planners and meticulous budgeters. In fact, only 18% of us disagree with the statement, charity begins in the home. Most of us will tell you that our wives are a lot more conservative with money than we are. Goes on and states we have a go-to-hell fund. In other words, we have accumulated enough wealth to live without working for 10 or more years. Thus, those of us with a net worth of $1.6 million could live comfortably for more than 20 years, more than 12 years. Actually, we can live longer than that since we have at least 15% of our earned income. We have more than six and one-half times the level of wealth of our non-millionaire neighbors, but in our neighborhood, these non-millionaire outnumber us better than three to one. As a group, we are fairly well-educated. Only about one in five are not college students, and many of us hold advanced degrees. Well, I'm the one in five that doesn't have that college education. 18% have master's degrees, 8% have law degrees, 6% medical degrees, 6% PhDs. Only 17% of us or our spouses ever attended a private elementary or private high school. As a group, we believe that education is extremely important for ourselves, our children, and our grandchildren. We spend heavily on education. Now, I believe education is important also, but the kind of education people are buying for their kids today is just ridiculous. It's not beneficial to the kids. Uh, we uh, It's a word I've never even seen before. Uh, we're aggressive investors. On average, we invest nearly 20% of our households' realized income each year. Most of us invest at least 15%. 79% of us have at least one account with a brokerage company, but we make our own investment decisions. Well, I don't have an account. Well, I actually do have one account with a brokerage department. No, it's not. It's a, it's a mutual fund. I take that back. And, and the reason I have that is I put $2,000 in an IRA when I was 20 years old. And just for the entertainment value alone, I've let it sit there and accumulate. And I I don't touch it, I don't do anything with it. I I don't put anything in, I don't take anything out of it. I just want to see by the time I'm dead uh, what the American dream was about the IRA. See if it really works. We hold nearly 20% of our household's wealth in transaction securities such as publicly traded stocks and mutual funds. Let's see, 20% but we rarely sell our equity investments. We hold even more in our pension plan, and an average 21% of our household wealth is in private businesses. Uh, looks like we're coming up to a break here. If you wanna call in, discuss any of this interesting stuff, our number is 877-711-5211 if you'd like to weigh in on what you think a millionaire looks like or should look like.
0: Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a
2: time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Uh, Today, I've got another article here that is sent to me that I think is very interesting. It's from the Wall Street Journal. And uh, the name of the article is The Champions of the 401K Lament the Revolution They Started. And it's written by Timothy Martin. I don't know who that is, but it says that Herbert Whitehouse was one of the first U.S. in the U.S. to suggest workers use a 401k. His hope in 1981 was the retirement savings plan would supplement a company pension that guaranteed payoffs for life. Thirty five years later, the former Johnson and Johnson human resource executive has misgivings about what he helped start. What Mr. Whitehouse and other proponents didn't anticipate was that the tax-deferred savings tool would largely replace pensions as big employers look for ways to cut expenses. Just 13% of all private sector workers have a traditional pension, compared to 38% in 1979. So here it is. These are the guys that came up with this idea for the 401k. And all that it did was it allowed cover for companies to stop providing pensions. And as a company owner, I get that. I mean, why would I want to, as an owner of a company, uh, pay an employee for the rest of their life? That concept of pension is what has broke almost every U S city, many U S states, the U S government, federal government, because it becomes impossible for a larger and larger number of people to collect money from a smaller and smaller group of people that are working we have smaller and smaller workforce and a larger and larger and larger retirement group so the concept just doesn't make any sense at all the next thing it talks about in here is that the 401k doesn't provide guaranteed income. In fact, the 401k is subject to just about every market condition that can occur. So you could be sitting there with money you've saved for your entire life, and then the market can turn on you right when you get ready to retire. And you could lose half of your money. Literally, people lose half of their money in a, in a stock market uh, correction. I like the way they call it correction instead of a crash to correction, you know, it will eventually come back right now. It's high. I mean, my gosh, right now, everybody it's in the stock market is feeling pretty good about themselves. Although that little IRA thing I told you about, uh, earlier, I looked at it in 2016, uh, the $29,000 that were in the account made nothing. I actually lost like $500 or something like that. And that's in a mutual fund, you know, sitting out there somewhere. So, you know, I don't know. I don't understand. But the 401k has definitely been proven to be a failure. Now, I want to just give you some of my insights in comparing a 401k. Uh, there's more paragraphs here. This, in fact, there's a very, very large article. And their major point is that as the 401k plan has been shoved down the throat of Americans, uh, it hasn't increased the volume of savings. In fact what they're showing is is as 401k participation goes up other kinds of savings go down and other types of pensions go away so you got to ask yourself this question what what is wrong with that why why are the 401ks uh, so ineffective well I ask this question all the time I say how much money did your 401k pay you last month then you laugh Go go, 401ks don't pay you any money. You go, well, why not? They've got your investments in it. And then some of you try to rationalize, well, uh, I made money, but it's inside my account. And then I take out a piece of paper and I draw a five on it. Then I draw six on it, eight, ten, twelve. I go, boy, these numbers feel really good. Uh, can we take them to the grocery store and spend them? And the answer is no. Because they're not really there until you get the money. And it's not really tax-deferred until you get the money, then it's taxed. So I ask you this question then. Okay, look, if you're willing to invest money into something that doesn't make you any money until 30 or 40 years later, then why wouldn't you just do this? And I bring up this point, and everybody gets this really terrible look on their face because they know it's just a stupid idea. I say, why don't you buy a house and pay monthly payments to the house for 30 years, hoping that at the end of 30 years, the house will be worth more and the mortgage will be paid off and you will have accumulated a nice asset for your retirement. And people go, well, that's stupid. Why wouldn't we rent it and make money while we have it? That's exactly right. It's stupid to put money in a 401k that doesn't pay you any money. Think about it. the 401k is actually eating your money. Every month you are living on less than what you earned because you're putting it in a 401k. If you were to do that with a second house and be paying that people would look at you and go, boy, you're dumb. Why do you have a second house? You don't live in and you're paying for, but that's what you're doing. And then your, your rationale would be, but 30 years from now, it's going to be worth something. And my rationale would be, well, 30 years from now, that house is going to be worth something. But it's still a stupid idea. And I bring up the point. Wouldn't it be better to have an investment that does the same thing that 401 does, which is create tax-free income, which real estate done correctly can produce tax-free income, or at least tax-deferred income, if you want to call it that, and has a... Great potential for upside capital gains, appreciation, and so forth. But at the same time, pays you money every single month. Pays you a dividend. Now, why cannot you out there, listening to this for the first 7th, 10th, 50th, 100th time, not understand that? There is absolutely no rationale to a 401k. None. It doesn't pay you any money. Rule number one investing is don't lose money. You lose money all the time In a 401k. How do you lose money? Well number one? You don't control what it's invested in number two They charge you abnormally high fees to be in the 401k They limit the investments that you can do within the 401k if you take the money out You not only pay the normal taxes, but you pay penalties on the money so it's it's like the the government has a Ponzi scheme to keep you in a Ponzi scheme It's a ridiculous concept. So what's going on here in this article, it's actually like three or four pages here. I didn't bother to go deep enough into it because I was really researching this stuff about sexual transmutation all morning. But what it's basically saying is, is that the 401k has failed and that the people who created it are now looking at it going, hey, we did everybody wrong. This is a mistake, right? That's what they're saying in this article. Then it goes on to another article that I think is interesting. It says, there is a savings struggle. A percentage of disposable income Americans set aside, including for retirement, has dropped radically. Um, some believe it is is due to the 401k and think those measures uh, should be changed. Some people, like Obama administration, believe that there should be forced and mandated payments into a 401k Uh, and they've tried they've done a couple different things where they said number one they're going to take your 401k away from you this is the democrats that did this by the way so they're going to take your 401k away from you and force you to buy government bonds so that it's not subject to the volatility of the stock market so that there is some cash flow from it when you retire right that was one plan another plan was to make everybody liquidate their 401k and pay the taxes on it because there was, you know, trillions of dollars sitting there in these 401ks, IRA savings accounts, qualified accounts. And then if you would liquidate them, you'd get enough tax funds from that liquidation to, you know, pay off the government debt or at least take a bite out of it. So they wanted to do that. Then they set up a deal where they actually did pass this one in some states. I don't know if it's all states, that it's mandatory for employers to set up a 401k. It's mandatory for them to place the employee in the 401k program. And if the employee doesn't want to be in the program, the employee has to cancel it. So in other words, you're dumb as a rock. Your boss is telling you you have to be in this 401k. You don't research it to find out that you don't really have to be in the 401k, right? And so there you are stuck in a vehicle that has already been agreed to, to not work. How many more times are they going to try to gerrymander our lives by putting us into things that don't work? Our number here is 866-945-6565. If you'd like to call and discuss any of this craziness, feel free to call in during the break. The lines are open. And we'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show.
0: Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Dell
2: Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want to learn more about Lifestyles Unlimited and the real estate education and mentoring program? Call us at 866-945-6565. That's 866-945-6565. Or go to LifestylesUnlimited.com to register for our free workshop. Um, People fail in life because they live in their own delusion. And when you live in your own delusion, you think you're getting somewhere, but you're not. There's an old saying, when you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do is stop digging. Stop doing it. So today's conversation, or last night's conversation, today's conversation was very, very interesting to me uh, from a point of view of how do you see your world? Now, Obama was talking about his greatest um, success. And he named off 20 or 30 successes. Uh, But his greatest success was Obamacare. And his view was, how if we would have told you eight years ago that 20 million more Americans would have health insurance, would you have ever believed it? This is just an incredible accomplishment, blah, blah, blah. Um, That's his point of view. Now, we go over to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump says, you know— I want to be kind to you guys. And I thought this is one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard. He goes, I want to be kind to you Democrats. You created the worst health care system in the world. Uh, just destroyed the American health care system. And you're finding it out. So I'm I'm going to let you own this thing. You know, or I could let you own this thing and just leave it alone. And in no time at all, it's going to take itself down because fewer and fewer doctors are accepting your health care. The cost of the health care has risen over 100 percent in the last four years and is continuing to rise. Oh, and by the way, Obama says health care costs have come down. (laughs) Ridiculous concept. Uh, But your deductibles are going up, the cost is going up, and the availability is going down. He said, I could just leave this thing alone and let you guys own it, and it would take you down the tubes forever. He said, the problem is, it's going to take a year, two or three for that to happen, for it completely blows up in your face. He said, but I care about Americans more than that. I care about uh, us having health care that works. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, get with Congress right after I uh, am sworn in, and we're going to put together a plan to repeal and replace Obamacare. Now, that's just a statement that's dated, and if you listen to this uh, later on down the line, you might think, well, that was a, a, a dated statement. This isn't really worth listening to. No, this is absolutely worth listening to. It doesn't matter when you listen to this particular podcast and radio show, and that is stop believing your own lies. You are not as financially successful as you believe you are. You are not. And you're mad. I get people telling me all the time. I hated you for the first couple of days or weeks that I listened to you. I couldn't stop listening to you because you were saying things that made sense, but I hated you for it. You hate me because I'm making you think and making you Just stop believing. In other words, you've got your head down and you're digging and you're throwing dirt as fast and as hard as you can, but you're getting nowhere. You're digging yourself a hole. Everything that you're doing is failing. You know, you say you're not a failure, but your techniques are ineffective. They're not working. You're a good person. I'm not insulting you. I'm pointing out for you, because I care about you, that your savings techniques, your investment techniques are doing nothing for you. That paid in full house, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey tells you to pay off that house is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. How much does that house send you in the mail each month? That paid in full house, not a dime. What do you have to pay on that house, even though you've paid it off? You still have to pay property taxes, insurance, right? You still have to pay home associations. You still have to pay to warm it, to heat it, to cool it. You still have to pay all of that stuff, even though you paid it off. So you can't say you've actually paid the house off and live there free. You don't live there free. You pay to live there. You just lowered the payment. But in turn, what you've done is you have killed your opportunity cost with that money. That 100 dollars dollars $500,000 million that's in that home could be out there earning you a living. Could be paying you as much as you earn with your job. But you don't have it doing that. You've got to sit in there dead. Dead equity. You've got a 401k that not only do you not get any payments from, you have to pay into every single month. So again, it's an investment that you are losing money on. If you look at your checkbook, you are losing money on your 401k. You're losing money on your house. They're not benefiting you at all. Your IRA is the same way. Little Billy's college fund is the same thing. All these things are doing you no good at all, right? I want to read you four articles that came out within the same week. The first one says, luxury apartment boom looks set to fizzle in 2017 next article says cap rates remain at all-time lows which mean apartment complexes values are at all-time highs the next one says strong rent growth and occupancy rates fuel investor interest in the apartment communities average rent increases month over month steady growth in u.s apartment economy how can both or all four of those articles all say opposite things because somebody doesn't really know what they're talking about. I hope in your life that you figure out that you're digging. And first, stop digging. And then second, let's build a ladder to get you out of that hole. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively.
1: Sports. Got clock at four.